Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. You're listening to the Room 104 Podcast with Cormac Moore and Sir Shalon. FM 104. It's Room 104. It's Cormac and Saoirse here. Good evening. Now, what things in your life have happened to you that have maybe made you reevaluate and rethink and take stock and kind of go, this may not be the, the best thing for me to continue doing, whether it was a job that just wasn't doing a fear or a relationship, you're like, no, just not happy. Or maybe it was uh, getting sentenced for importing drugs in from Pakistan, which our next guest did, had an insane life, wound up in prison and then decided to go, you know what, this is this is probably not the best idea uh, ever. Joining us now uh, is Chet Sandu. Chet, thanks a million for popping on F104. Okay, yes. Hi, thanks guys. Thanks for having me on. Yes, I'll explain all about that, yeah. Yeah, well, just take us back, I guess, to uh, where it all began. It all began in the mid-90s. The mid-90s, uh, everything was full flow. Okay, full flow, CCTV, no, uh, there was no Al-Qaeda back then, no bombings back then, airports were easy, free and easy to go, where you want, take what you want in the 90s, it was easy to do. Now you can't, obviously, yeah, because there's that many checks, but back then... I just got that mentality to... Uh, first, I started with small amounts, yeah? And from Europe, Spain, Greece, Turkey, blah, blah, blah. But then the cheapest place was Karachi in Pakistan. And that's where I went. And that's where I did my big haulage because that's where the big money was. Can I ask you, obviously, in the 90s, as you said, security was way more lax than it is today. And, 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 and information was obviously way more lax. How, did you, how do you find out that that's the cheapest place in the world to get the drugs from. Okay, because the Taliban were active. The steroids were made in Pakistan. They were made there. So I went to the manufacturer himself, yeah? Spoke with the company director, tried to buy off him direct. He wouldn't have it. Uh, I tried to uh, bribe him. He said no. <laughs> he wasn't having any of it, which I was shocked by, yeah? Because it's Pakistan at the end of the day. The Taliban were there, Al-Qaeda, we were Sikh people, and nobody wanted to do business with Pakistan at the time because it's a dangerous place to go to if you've got cash, you know? You can get kidnapped, held hostage, blah, blah, blah. But I just overlooked all that. I just thought, okay, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, and then I'm going to make a lot of money. And how long were you doing this for? Like, how many years were you doing this 
for about a couple of years, right? Until I got arrested, Interpol were on me, tracking all my flights, tracking because I took different uh, mules with me to carry the, the cases, different airports, different this, different that. But um, I spoke to people and the Interpol tracked me down. They tracked my flights, uh, knew what I was doing. But I had chief narcotics officer at Karachi Airport bought off because he knew what I was uh, doing, the operation I was doing first time around. I bought the airport security off with uh, men-only magazines, yeah, because you can't get that over there. Pakistan back in the 90s was on lockdown, proper lockdown. You, you, for them to see a white woman making like uh, is a massive thing in the magazine. So the first time around, that's how I bought it. Second time round, it didn't work. I had to pay them. Third time round, chief officer came to me and said, listen, all you got to do is give me a hundred pound of suitcase, yeah? And you bypass all this, all the x-rays, everything. I went, yeah? I'm all right, okay. Three or four cases I I used to have. Uh, the pills used to cost me nine pound. Uh, they used to sell street value for a thousand pound, pound a tablet, and they only cost me nine. Uh, so the money involved in this was like daft. I had him paid off. I just used to walk into the airport. He knew when I was flying in. He used to like say hello. I know when you're leaving. And he just used to walk through me, security, yeah. all security, as if I'm like uh, David Beckham. <laughs> Can I ask you just, how how did that first interaction occur? Like, how does the conversation go when you're trying to bribe with pornography? Because that's one of the strangest things <laughs> I've ever heard of before. you got to go first, the first set, yeah, of, uh, I'm going to say, right, open up your case. We opened up my cases. There was three of us, and they were, and they were full of steroids at a time. It was Valium that I got involved in afterwards. And yeah. they went, right, this is far too much, blah, blah, blah. But then they noticed porn mags in the case, right? Okay. And one of them picked him up. I went, do you want it? He goes, yeah. I'm like, right, we got more. Okay, because it's Pakistan, yeah? <laughs> there ain't no action in Pakistan. So we, <laughs> so we bought porn mags in England took them over and they were happy just to take the magazines to get through three. You must have made a lot of money during that time. Uh, my thing on money, yeah, what I spent on, right, okay, it goes like this, yeah. I spent it on fast cars, women, drugs, and the rest I squandered. So you haven't got a secret stash somewhere buried in the mountains that you can go back to? There's zero, yeah. If you come running for my money, they they, they know there. So you, you mentioned, obviously, Interpol obviously caught up with you eventually and good luck see you by. How long did you wind up in, in prison for? Right. Uh, nine years was the sentence I was given. I got caught with the biggest seizure in Spanish history of pharmaceutical drugs, Valium. I had a quarter of a million tablets. Quarter of a million tablets. And in Spain, it's classed like this. It's not like England. In England, Valium, class C. In Spain, Class A, because uh, Spain only has two classes, Class A, Class B. So how they put my thing down was this, yeah? They went, you have 10 milligrams of a Class A drug and a quarter of a million tablets of it. So they like weighed it all up and they went, you have 1.2 kilo or two kilo of a Class A drug. So nine years is your sentence. That's standard, nine years. Uh, what I did, I had to learn Spanish there in jail. I learned Spanish. I got talking to the top heads there because I was top security all the way from the first day. 
I got talking to them. They said, you need a bent lawyer. You need a bent lawyer who knows the judges, blah, blah, blah. If you give him a bribe or what you have, I went, okay, how much does he want? Okay, he gave me a number. The number was about eight grand. Uh, so I paid that and I got half the sentence. And what was life like in jail? Terrible in Spain. I got stabbed there twice. I stabbed somebody. Uh, a third of the inmates have AIDS. I've had uh, fights with them and their blood got shared with my blood in the fights. I thought I, I had AIDS when I left jail. Yeah, because um, the blood interaction, you know, because there they get the how the Spanish system works is totally different in England. It works like this, yeah. If you do like it, like in England, if you do five burglaries, yeah, they'll give you one year, one year, one and a half year, two year, one year, but to run concurrent, okay? Rest on tag, jail, no. In Spain, no. In Spain, it works like this. If you do 10 burglaries, they say, right, two year, three year, two year, three year. They add it all up. So you go into jail for burglaries and you can get a 20 year. And once you're in there, it's bad. There's no health care, no welfare. They share needles. Heroin is uh, because they just need to escape because everybody has knives there. It's just protecting your back. And when you're not protecting your back, you need your head to get out of there. Was there a moment then in, in prison where you're like, this, this, this isn't worth it and it's time to kind of turn things around? Not in Spain, no. In Spain, I just wanted to stay alive, right? Okay. I wanted to stay alive, which I did, right? I had to stab people, fight people. I thought I had AIDS, yeah? I thought I was going to, you know, you know, I thought I'm dead anyway, yeah? Okay. But I came out, took an AIDS test, came back, negative. I thought, nah, can't be. So I took a second one. So I took two in a row, right? And they both came back, right? Uh, because I'd hit people. They're fighting me. Their blood is on my blood. The scars on them, shared blood. But no, I didn't get it. Just when did you decide to leave that life behind? Decide, right? Okay. After that sentence, I felt like uh, King Kong, okay? King Kong. And then I got involved in a firm in Newcastle. England. They had said we were running a um, prostitution ring here, controlling areas with drugs and this and that. I just felt it. the dawning to me came on my second sentence, the second one. I was only out about a year. I was only out about a year. And then I got a seventh stretch for blackmail, uh, controlling prostitution, conspiracy to supply class A. And how long were you put away for then? Uh, my parole, they were saying it's pending, pending, blah, blah, blah. But uh, it was like the sentencing on that second sentence. As soon as I got that sentence, I knew that's it. You know, it's me done. I, I, then I thought, okay, I know what I have to do now uh, for my family, for my mom. I lost my kids, lost all my money through the process of jail getting nicked, doing this, doing that. Um, it's good at a time, but in the long run, not. I got out in 2002, went back in 2003, got out 2007. And since then, I've been all good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And how's life now? Life is good. Life's okay, yeah. Some of my family is still with me. A lot I've lost through the process of this. I have my 
business now. Chet, we, we appreciate you giving up your time um, today. And before before we let you go, last question. If you could go back to uh, your you, yourself, whether it was your 18 or I don't know how old you were at the time, before you were to go down this road, like what would you say to a, a younger Chet? Well, not a younger Chet, yeah. I would say this is for the younger youth now. Okay, uh, my life was a bit different. Uh, I was brought up into the north in the 80s. Racist abuse I had. I was like sort of forced into this, you know, uh, because I had no education. My dad took me out of school, 15. He stuck me behind the till of a shop, made me work seven days a week, 12 hours a day. Was And then I wasn't allowed out until I was 20. Okay, so, but... Life ain't like that now, you know? Okay. So what I would say to the youth now is drugs, violence, crime, it's all rubbish. It's all bollocks. It's all a load of shit, yeah? Uh, There's only about 5% of people that actually make any money out of this. The other 90% are donkeys and the mules and the used, and you will get abused, you will get stabbed, and then you will go to jail, and then they will hound your families for the debt that you owe. Because a lot of these people think they're big time, think they're this, because there's um, crime gangs that will take you in, will give you the confidence of being a part of the family, where really you're not, you're not a part of the family. They're just using you as a scapegoat when it's ready for them to use you. And this is what's happening, you know. And once they go to jail, a young age, young offenders, it's hard work in them jails, man. And then you go to the big jail and then you're dealing with the big guys and then you you can't cope with this. And a lot of them, I've seen this, yeah, they accept pills of people, pills, okay, they, they accept pills. And then they can't pay for the pills, but it's only the ones that have the big sentences that know this because they know the young kids that are coming through, vulnerable, don't have a clue, and they're picked on, and your life is a waste. And once you're out of jail, you can't even get a job. You can't even get a job because nobody's going to employ you with that history. So you're on the back foot already. You're probably in debt anyway as soon as you leave jail, and now you, you can't get a job. So what are you going to do, right? Go back to what you were doing and then you're going to get nicked again and then you're going to get double figures. Double figures and then that's life, you know. Uh, there's, But this is real, you know. Globalization, okay, it might last for about a year where you're giving it the, the, the big one mm. where it's all going cool, blah, blah, blah. But then there's police informants, there's this, there's that, there's police intelligence, there's everything, you know. You make mistakes because you're high yourself. It comes down heavy on you. All right. Well, Chet, it's an absolute pleasure sharing your story. Fair play, man, on, on turning things around and doing what you're doing now. And we appreciate you speaking to F104 tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.